Welcome to this edition of DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast. For more information, visit us on our website, www.dbsalliance.org. We've been there. We can help. Today, DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast features David Grenier, counselor, stand-up comic, author of the book The Happy Neurotic, How Fear and Angst Can Lead to Happiness, and founder of Stand Up for Mental Health an organization teaching comedy to people with mental illness as a way of building confidence and fighting public stigma. Welcome, David. We are so pleased to have you as our guest today. Well, thank you. To start us off, I'm hoping you might share with our listeners a little bit more about your background and what prompted you to start Stand Up for Mental Health. Okay. Well, first of all, let me say that I also have a mental illness. I have depression. And um, I'm on medication. I've been in psych wards, had years of therapy, you know, suicide attempts, all that sort of stuff. So um, I've, I've, I've walked in those shoes and continue to walk in those shoes. Um, but I have been doing stand-up comedy for about 14, 15 years now. And I was teaching a stand-up comedy co- uh, course at one of the local colleges here in Vancouver. And this course had nothing to do with mental health at all. But I would notice that every so often people would come through my course and they would have this life-changing experience where doing stand-up comedy would just create incredible therapeutic benefits. And I thought, gee, wouldn't it be neat to use that with people who not only wanted to do the comedy, but also wanted to um, wanted the therapeutic aspect. And that's essentially how Stand Up for Mental Health was born. I initially ran a group for um, some recovering addicts in a recovery house, and I also did a, a stand-up comedy course for a group of um, cancer patients. But then um, I started doing Stand Up for Mental Health, and that's been my main focus since 2004. And what does the current program look like today? Well, it looks different all over the place because um, we're actually across Canada. So here where I live in Vancouver, we have a year-long program where we have classes once a week, and then um, we perform about 20 or 30 shows with this group um, throughout the year. And so um, all sorts of different um, public events. We do um, events for different mental health organizations. We, uh, we just performed at a big uh, national collaborative care conference uh, yesterday, all sorts of different stuff. Um, and then I also run distant ver- distance versions of the course in a whole bunch of different cities. And um, what that looks like is uh, we do regular teleclasses, and I fly into those cities twice a year to do on-site workshops and shows, and also train some people in those cities to be able to run shows when I'm not around. So some of those are just three-month, one-shot deals. Others are uh, ongoing, because usually what happens is that once people have done the program and they've done a show, they get hooked and they just want to do more performing. They just like, they just love doing stand-up comedy so much that they just can't get enough of it. I know. I had the fortunate opportunity of seeing um, the, uh, com- the documentary, the CBC documentary, Cracking Up, that we featured at last year's 2007 DBSA National Conference in Orlando, Florida, and I am a huge fan. I know that the film was just really struck me. It was both um, very touching and um, really, really funny. And um, I thought that the documentary really captured just how powerful the work is with Stand Up for Mental Health and how much it's positively impacted your students' lives. Why do you think that stand-up comedy has such a powerful effect on individuals living with mental illness? Well, I have a few 
theories. Um, we actually don't have any um, uh, quantitative research yet, but that's 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 in the works. So hopefully those theories will be will be borne out. But um, here here are my some of my theories. I think when you suffer from a mental illness, you spend your life you sort of have this low status position in our society. You know, you have a mental illness. There's something wrong with you, and it's not something it's not something that you share with pride to a lot of people. Um, but when you take a stand-up comedy course, it's like, it's a high-status position in the sense of, when you tell your friend, oh, yeah, I'm off to stand-up comedy class, they go, wow, oh, that's cool, gee, I wish I could do that, or that sounds wonderful. And so it's, a way, it's way cooler than saying, oh, so I'm heading off to my personality disorder support group. Um, I'm not putting down the personality disorder support group, right, because mm-hmm. we need that stuff, so I don't want to come across like that. But it's really nice to have a high-status activity that you can be part of. So that's that's the beginning. Um, um, but I think uh, for uh, uh, there's some other reasons, too. First of all, as someone with mental illness, I think a lot of us carry a lot of shame, both from the public stigma and prejudice around mental illness, and plus, you know, things that have happened in our lives, things that we've done, um, times we've been hospitalized, all that kind of stuff. And I think the shame is almost as bad as the illness itself because it's what creates a lot of isolation and lack of confidence and things like that. Well, what happens is that in, in Stand Up For Mental Health, all of a sudden people find that those black times from their lives become great comedy material. And so they start coming into class going, oh, hey, I want to write some jokes about that time I was hospitalized. Or, you know, this, uh, this one time I had a manic episode and I quit my job. Oh, that's going to make some great comedy material. And they write these jokes and they perform them in front of an audience who then comes up to them afterwards and say, oh, you know, that was great, that stuff about you being hospitalized or, you know, the manic episode, I can totally relate, that's wonderful. And all of a sudden, those shameful things are no longer so shameful anymore. You start to think, you know something, I'm actually not a bad person. And so they, they change where they sit in your psyche from these toxic black holes to these wonderful sources of material. And so they almost become your strengths. Like we had a we had a woman in the program, at one point she, uh, she uh, broke up with her husband, which normally she would respond to a situation like that by isolating herself for like a month or two. But here she came to class the next day saying, I want to write some jokes about this, I'm going to put this into my act. And uh, it was this wonderful different way of coping with this painful situation. So I think that's another thing, um, that's another thing that helps. And I also think that um, the fact that people with, do, with mental illness are doing stand-up comedy, something that most so-called normal people would never want to attempt, is a huge boost to self-esteem and confidence. And plus, doing stand-up, as far as I'm concerned, and, and students have told this to me too, it's the best high there is. It's better than drugs. You know, it's free, it's legal, it doesn't have any side effects. And uh, doing stand-up comedy is a real peak experience, and it just have that rush and to have that rush based on something you've done and worked for is just huge for people I know and what I'm really excited to share with people on that same front is that we're going to be able to allow um, individuals at our conference to participate in some of that activities um, themselves so um, as we talked about before that last year we showed the documentary about cracking up and what um, and it featured in there some presentations from some of your students and I wanted to share that this year you know it'll be fantastic because you've offered to do a virtual course um, with some of our conference attendees to be able to, to do some stand-up comedy 
at the conference themselves. Can you share a little bit more about how that would work for our conference attendees? Absolutely. So what we're going to do is we're going to recruit, recruit a group of, uh, I think we said about six to eight or something like that. And I'm going to work with them just like I work with all my other distance groups. So probably most of the work uh, will take place one-on-one -on -one through phone calls and email and back and forth. And for each one of them, we will write an act, about three to five minutes. Um, and then uh, I will come fly into the conference and we will do a rehearsal. Uh, maybe two rehearsals if we have time, and then we will put on a show, a stand-up for mental health show on September 13th. I'll run and MC the show, and kind of my, you know, my guarantee to all the folks that take part in this is that I will do whatever it takes for them to succeed. So we'll spend all the time we need on the phone, going back and forth, and making sure that everyone has uh, has a good act that they that that a I know is is funny comedically, but that also reflects who they are and what they've been through. So I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to work with uh, whoever uh, whoever comes forward. And I just also want to say that to do this, you, you don't have to have any experience, any, you know, because I would say 99 plus percent of the people in the program have never done comedy, they've never done acting, they, they have no idea what it's all about, so people don't have to worry about any of that. Maybe it'd be helpful for you to share a little bit of maybe a few of those personal success stories from individuals um, that you talked about that have taken your classes in the past. Um, well, there's one, I mean, there's, there, there's a bunch of stories. Actually, there, there's, there's this really interesting, story. I'm just thinking because there's, there's so many, but um, uh, there's one woman uh, here in the uh, Vancouver area, and uh, she's in her, in her mid-60s, I would say, and uh, has, you know, lifelong depression um, and, and actually some, some uh, bipolar thrown in. And anyhow, we had a show coming up, um, and uh, she was hospitalized about a week before the show. And normally, she says when she's hospitalized, she just goes into this black suicidal hole where she just stays in bed all day and does nothing. But she really wanted to do this show. And so there she is in the hospital. On the one hand, she's suicidally depressed. On the other hand, she's running all her jokes by the staff and the other patients. She's selling tickets for the show. She gets a day pass so she can come to the rehearsal before the show. And then she gets another day pass so she can come and do the show. And she just killed. She just rocked. And it just made such a tremendous difference in her life because her life, this actually gave her life some meaning. This mm -hmm. was something really important for her to do. And the chance, you know, because she's, she's really used her act to focus on, uh, you know, all sorts of painful times in her life that she's been through and being able to speak about those times through comedy. And it's really changed in the sense of, um, it, it, it's really changed who she is in the sense of she's so much more positive and, um, and alive and, and happy with her life because it's like she's let go of this years of sort of toxic buildup. So that's one. Um, there's another young fellow, um, He's 24 now. He he's actually in the Cracking Up documentary. His name is Robbie Anglequist. And um, when he first started the program in 2005, uh, he had just been released from six months in the psych ward. Um, and he was he he basically he was dead. Like his soul had died. And um, you know he had basically a lifetime of failure was pretty much what he had. And he was convinced that everything in his life was going to fail. And he would go into these places where something bad would happen and he would just crash for like three months go into this dark suicidal black hole and so anyhow he came to one of our shows with his mom and it's like 
something sort of tweaked his interest, and so he joined the program. And since 2005, I'd say he's done, I don't know, he's probably done 150 shows, and uh, he's, he's one of our stars. But what I've noticed is that it's given him the confidence and the self-esteem to, you know, he's, now he's got his own place, um, you know, he's, he, he does stuff with his life, he does volunteer work, and he's had some jobs and stuff like this. And also what's changed is that um, I've observed him having setbacks now, and where normally he would, like I say, crash into that bottomless pit for eight months or six, three months or whatever. It's like he goes to the setback, he comes out a few hours later, and he's fine, because he's had enough success now in his life where he feels like he's, there's something there to build on. So those are just two of the stories. And I think that's what's so great about it is he talks about it's kind of like a, a way a little behavioral modification at the same time. It, it not only helps you to rewrite your, you know, tragic past, so to yep. speak, but and put a new spin on it and be able to use it, as you say, for good, but to be able to then force you into saying, you know what, this is something that's important to me and I'm going to make, I'm going to get up today and I'm going to go because yep. I know I'm going to get so much from it. So I just think it's awesome. So yep. I think it's one of the things you've termed about in your book, which I wanted to get to in a minute, that. I think you term it psychosocial rehabilitation. Well, you know, I, I find I, I think stand up for mental health is it's like a sort of a stealth form of psychosocial rehabilitation because, you know, in psychosocial rehab, you know, we, we try and get people out. We want to connect them and get them working in groups and putting them in situations where they have to take risks and stuff like that. Well, in stand up for mental health, they have to do all that stuff. Um, but it just happens naturally as a part of the program. So they're not sort of, we're not saying, well, okay, now we're going to take you into public today so you can talk to other people you don't know. It's like it just kind of happens as part of the group. Uh, the, you know, the other thing I wanted to, to tag on to what you said, and I think you, you nailed it, is that in stand-up comedy, you get to take these old stories and you get to rewrite them because there's a kind of therapy where you, um, where you take old stories from your life that, of things that didn't work out well and you kind of get to tell on a different ending well it's one thing to do that in a therapist's office it's another thing to put a different ending on it and do it in front of an audience of you know 200 people and have them applaud you and cheer you it's uh yeah it's very it's very powerful because you're right you've taken your story you've taken your life narrative and you rewritten you've rewritten it and you've done it yourself and that's that's a very powerful method of, of change and and uh recovery now, these are all concepts I know that you cover quite extensively in your book, The Happy Neurotic, How Fear and Angst Can Lead to Happiness. Very interesting title, by the way. Thank you. And in the book, I know you challenge some very popular New Age thinking by proposing yeah. that negative, not positive, yeah. emotions are crucial to success. Can you share a bit more about this concept in the book itself? Yeah, definitely. So, Excuse me. The premise of the book is that you can be happy, productive, and well-adjusted while remaining as neurotic as ever. And I kind of, I was kind of inspired to write the book from my experience running Stand Up for Mental Health because in Stand Up for Mental Health, we're not actually trying to change anyone, you know. So we're not saying, oh, you know, you have to be different or we want you to do this. It's and and the people's sort of neurosis and dysfunctions almost becomes the basis for their success because not only because they channel them, they make great material, but also in stand-up comedy, and I think a lot of other things, it's all our neurotic tendencies that drive us to succeed. So, you know, people are terrified before shows and, you know, in class, and that motivates them to obsessively, you know, write and rehearse their act. You know, they're in the shower, they're running their lines and all that kind of stuff. And I think that 
in life in general, that neurotic energy is a very powerful force, and we often ignore it. We think, oh, I'm nervous. I shouldn't be nervous right now, or I should be confident right now. And uh, and I'm saying, no, no, no. You should be whatever you is you're doing. You should you should be totally scared, and that fear is going to motivate you to do whatever it takes to succeed. For every every you know story you hear about like a confident person striving fearlessly towards their goals, there are hundreds of stories of neurotic racks who achieved incredible amounts of success through their neurosis. And I think the problem is that the personal growth and sort of new age culture of today makes us apologize for that. Oh, I know, you know, I should be confident. Oh, I should see this as a wonderful growth opportunity. Oh, I should be more spiritually centered. And um, what I'm saying is those are unattainable. We're never going to be totally confident. We're never going to be spiritually centered. We'll have moments of it, but it's not something we're going to attain on a regular basis. So let's use our dysfunction and neurosis and let's celebrate it and uh, let's stop apologizing for it and see how we can channel it into motivating ourselves to do whatever we need to do. I think it's a wonderful concept to explore and a great book. And I wanted to be able to um, share with our readers, that, or our listeners, that um, David's book, The Happy Neurotic, How Fear and Angst Can Lead to Happiness, is also available on, for purchase online at dbsalliance.org slash bookstore. And I wanted to, before we close, offer David an opportunity to uh, just share some parting words with our listeners. Well, first of all, I'm really looking forward. I hope that people listening to this um, will will want to come forward and uh, and, and be, be one of my comics for the uh, the conference because uh, it's going to be great. And uh, you know, if, if people want to email me, go to standupformentalhealth.com, our website. My email's there, and I'd you know I'd love to hear from people who have questions or you know if you're scared of doing the course and you just want to touch base and find out more what it's going to be. And the other thing is that I want to say to people is that. Um, the, what we do at the conference, you will succeed beyond your wildest dreams. You will just blow yourself away with what you're capable of. And I think, you know, that's, that's the essence of recovery. I think that, that when people are given the proper venue, it's amazing what they are capable of. And being able to prove it to themselves is, uh, is what leads to change. I know we at DBSA are really thrilled to have you doing the uh, performance and the, the, the class for us for the conference. And I just really can't, can't wait. I'm kind of jealous that I'm not going to be able to actually participate in it. I'd love to be able to take the course. Um, but I also wanted to be able to share for individuals. I know there might be some questions out there beyond the conference and the course. Are there some opportunities or ways that individuals could explore having the course available to individuals in the United States? Yeah, if they if they email me, I can I can send the my email is david at standupformentalhealth.com and um, I'd be glad to send them inf- information because what what I notice is that we keep on expanding and I keep on getting more and more requests to run these courses in different cities and uh, I'd love to start uh, doing it in the United States so people should get in touch with me. That'd be terrific. Well, I know I'm a huge fan and David, I want to thank you so much for your time today and we'll see you at the DBSA 2008 National Conference in Virginia. Sounds great. All right. Well, this has been a DBSA Real Recovery Podcast. This has been a production of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. For more information, go to www.dbsalliance.org or call 1-800-826-3632. We've been there. We can help. Thank you.